guys, I just spoke to Brandy Rosenberg. She is a medium. That's right. She speaks to people who have passed on and she was incredible. We talk about her experiences with the afterlife from childhood to adulthood, um, near-death experiences. Um, She talks about her process, how communicating with the afterlife works, thoughts on heaven and hell and what happens to us when we pass. We get deep, guys. I'm telling you, we get deep on this one. She also does a mini reading on me and... I've never been read before. And I will say, I, you might just, you just might see me well up. You just might see it happen. Enjoy one of the most interesting human beings officially, Randy Rosenberg. Karen disappears. I'm clearly a reflection of you. You're glowing. Oh, well, it's, I, I will say it's the ring light as well then. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, it's interesting because I've, I've got the big square ones. Like I'm clueless when it comes to this stuff. And I've been doing only online readings. I took my whole business online before anybody else did. Like in 2014, I just, you know, I just kind of had this revelation, like, you know what? The technology is designed for intuitives. It's really, we're in accelerated times. And it's, we went from the Aquarian, the Piscean age, which was all about the intellect into the Aquarian age, which is about intuition and the technology enhances and accelerates everything. And I just love it. Plus, you don't, you can do it in the comfort of your own home. You know, you don't have to sit in traffic and be all freaked out on the way there. And on the way back, you're in traffic. It's so much better, you know, to integrate your session in the comfort of your own home. I wanted to ask you um, about your upbringing and how you sort of first started realizing that you had like this special sixth sense. We were Jewish and we were the only family in our neighborhood of Southern Baptists, Lutherans, uh, uh, Mormons. Um, uh, what's the other one? The really wild one. Um, I'm talking I mean, Jehovah's Witness. <laughs> Jehovah's Witness. Okay. So we were in the middle of like, I mean, like really um, kind of what's the word where, you know, they weren't reform in their, their teachings. They were really dogmatic. Oh, right. So I growing up, you know, what we, I heard I killed Jesus. I was the Jesus killer. Um, we had pennies, we had stones thrown us. We had swastikas painted on our house. They painted 6 million was everything was about Jesus. Everything was, you know, Christian and, and in an effort to fit in, um, I would go to Sunday school with people. Mm -hmm. And so I would hear all these, you know, each, each church had its own version of what they believed in and their version of all the churches around you. Yeah. I went to a lot of them and, you know, my sisters, I have two sisters. I'm the middle, of course, total black sheep, nothing like them. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, you know, I was always curious. I was a born seeker. So I would go, I was also a raging codependent. So I would go to try to make friends, but I was also very curious and I would, you know, I would, I, I just really immersed myself in it. And, um, I was also a nature spirit. My dad was 
my parents were these hippies, but they weren't like they, they were hippies who weren't like real hippies. They never made it to the, the real cool hippie level. Yeah. But they were cool enough that, you know, all, all the other kids in the neighborhood would like to hang out at our house. Also because my dad was like, they were real givers and they, you know, we always had kind of an open environment, but behind closed doors, my dad was a rageaholic alcoholic but he you know we presented this image that we were the the cool people in the neighborhood and you know he was leading a double life so we used to but you know growing up you know I got beat up at the bus stop a lot just because I was Jewish Um, my dad would go on on trips for you know week and I could literally feel when he was coming home. It was like, so, you know, I developed also, I was a nature lover. I lived in nature. You know, my dad said, as soon as I came out of the womb, all you heard in the delivery room was I want a horse because apparently that was the first thing I learned to say, I want a horse. I want a horse. And at six, you know, by the time I was six years old, I had my first horse. So, so did your parents have were they like connected spiritually? Were they intuitive? Were any, were any of your siblings intuitive? Yeah, absolutely. So my mom and I, we it was never discussed. First of all, none of this was ever discussed. There was no frame of reference for it. But my mom and I always communicated telepathically without ever having a discussion about it. Like if she was late for picking me up, she would tell me I'm on my way. And I would be like, oh, okay. You know, or I just, you know, and I, I made these, all these connections early on when I started doing this, because it was like, oh my gosh, in hindsight, it's amazing how much, um, uh, connecting we did psychically. And I wouldn't even say psychically, I would say it, call it telepathy. It was telepathically. I'm really big into using the term ESP, extrasensory perception, because I really believe, yes, there are true psychics in the world. Most of them you don't see. I, I feel like when it comes to me though, some of my clients would say, no, you're a true psychic. I, I honestly, I, I, the term kind of makes me go like this mm-hmm. because I've never been to a psychic in my life, but I think it's really a, a, a truly heightened sense of intuition and extrasensory perception. And I really believe our, my mom and I sensory system was really dialed in is the same with me and my dad. I like, even my sisters will say there was something about your connection with them. What was so different than the connection that they had. Are you an empath? Oh, 100%. Yeah. 100%. And you know what my other sisters are? My little sister is cray cray empath. Wow. She went on to, you know, law school, summa cum laude, you know, politics, working in the White House, you know, she's more, you know. She didn't, wasn't exercising that side of her. The No, um, not at all. But she is a a potent empath. And so is my older sister. And the funny thing is about my older sister is we're not so close anymore, but we joke when we, we reconnected a while back and after being away for a while and she's a grief counselor in LA. And I'm like, Oh, that's so interesting. We both work for the dead. <laughs> kind of a joke, but wow. Um, so she's really empathic herself. Um, 
I'm empathic to the point that I develop a lot of internal physical issues and did early on. I was really sick growing up early on. And I, I believe, you know, I found out later, which might come was Lyme disease, but it's definitely also because I picked up on everything and um, turned it all stuff, probably. Yeah. Turned it all inwards. I mean, I, but if, I sensed our neighbors were having a domestic violence fight. I would sense that and say, oh my God. And my parents would go, how do you know they're having a fight? I'm like, I just know it. I know it. And then, you know, like five minutes later, one's coming out screaming and yelling and, you know, so. Wow. That's, that's amazing. So you really pick up on energy and you've always been sensitive. When was the first time that you, uh, did you have any experiences as a child of, of sort of connecting to the other side at all I did so we there was a um there was a graveyard very close to our house and I used to walk there when I was really little and sit at it was where originally Bonnie and Clyde were buried oh okay and I didn't know this till my mom when I came out of the closet, as my aunt would say, um, as a medium, my mom would be, my mom actually told me this. I have no memory of this. And she's like, she so nonchalantly said, oh yeah, I remember when you came home and you said, Bonnie and Clyde don't want to be in that cemetery. They really don't want to be there. And we were asking you, well, how do you know? And they said, I can't believe I'm saying this. They go, I said, she goes, because you said they told you. Mm-hmm. I go, I did? She goes, yeah. They said they don't, you you stood there in front of your dad and I, like the same, because they told me they don't want to be there. And what and did you think when you said that? What, like, did they? My mom said that. I was like, really? Really? Well, I don't, there's certain things I've, you know, over the years, I'm like, really? Uh, friends have told me and I'm like, really? I have no memory because I'm usually channeling. I've, I realize I'm usually channeling this. So I don't remember. But she said, like, she said, my, your dad and I told you, you cannot be telling other people this. They're going to think you're nuts. It's bad enough that we already have like, you know, the 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 where we you know we apparently have tail because we're Jewish we have tails and we have horns this is what we got oh, growing yeah. up so you know it's bad enough we have tails and horns Clyde. you can't go tell people you're talking to Bonnie and Clyde yeah. right yeah so they didn't think it was weird they just were like oh my god just don't tell anybody right <laughs> yeah don't say this out so, loud again but my mom she finished the story she said you told us this and my god a week later the front page of our local news said they're moving Bonnie and Clyde's graves and she said it scared the shit out of us so what so what was your first experience that you recall so that I recall, you know, right now, I, I, the, what I'm actually thinking of is when I was uh, sleeping, mm-hmm. you know, that I don't remember that I don't remember because my mom told me it. So, and there's other things people told me that I don't remember it, but I remember when I was really young sleeping and like somebody literally saying something in my ear, like, wake up, wake up now. And I would wake up and I was sharing a room with my little sister at the time. And I'd wake up and I, we had this attic 
that there were, there was ghosts in the attic, nobody go in the attic. And I would say, is it something in the attic? And they would, they would say it's in the attic. So I literally, hold on, hold on. Kind of, who, who would say it's in the attic? Whatever this energy was telling me. Okay. So this like I was speaking, it was all telepathy. Okay. So I'm like, I was panic terrorized, terrorized. And I'm like, why are you just telling me? Like, I would have this conversation. Am I crazy? Why are you just telling me? Why aren't you telling my sister or the other sister? Because you're the only one that can clear it. Mm-hmm. You're the only one that can, can deal with it. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I was like, oh gosh. So I, I was so terrified though, is what I would do is I would create a mantra. So we saw a hair on Broadway. And there was this part of hair was Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. And I picked that up and held on to it. So during this time in my bed, when I'm like, you know, nine years old, 10 years old, I'm chanting Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare, to just disband it. That's what I would do. Mm-hmm. And interesting. Did you ever take action about whatever was going on in the attic? No, I didn't want to go in there. And when there was one time with a babysitter who was staying with us and I told her, we're not going in the attic. And she's like, we have to, because a boyfriend that's going to beat me up is on our way. Oh, he's our way over. And we have to hide somewhere. It's really scary. So she takes me up in the attic and she closes it. And I'm like mentally doing this thing, you know, the mantra in my head just, and I noticed there's this hallway, this like dark hallway in the attic. It's just basically, I'm saying hallway for lack of a better term. It's probably just, you know, this alcove going to the rest of the part of the house. And there was this sound coming out of it that sounded like a train. I'm like, do you hear that? She goes, what? I go, it sounds like, you know, you, how you hear those old choo-choo trains in the distance, like the coal trains, like it's that kind of grind, that kind of grinding sound. I'm like, what is that? She goes, I don't hear what you're hearing. And I'm like, I hear it. And then the next thing we hear is him banging on the door. That, so this is like 1970. 576, you know, he doesn't have our phone number. There's no cell phones. He's banging and she's holding on to me. And I am terrorized, just absolutely terrorized. And there was an old baby buggy in there, you know, like the kind you like the creepy kind you would see in Rosemary's baby. So it made it even worse. And I see that thing kind of like bouncing up and down. So the whole thing just was like terrorizing to me. And I just kept, you know, calling on God and chanting that mantra and saying, please save us, please save us, please save us, you know, and, you know, that's kind of my first awareness of, you know, dealing with energies of the unseen Mm -hmm. and dealing with, you know, as far as mediumship and speaking to somebody dead, I would, I would literally cut to being in seventh grade having um people having a slumber party and do you did you ever do that bloody mary bloody mary oh of course that was so freaky it's so freaky but it works i mean it literally worked 
And that whole light as a feather, stiff as a board, mm-hmm. where you light as a feather, stiff as a board, you know, and then you you have two fingers and everybody's standing around, like uh, sitting around, then you lift, everybody lifts one person up with those mm-hmm. two fingers. I mean, that just goes to show you the power of intention yeah. and the repetition yeah. of the mantra, which in that case was either Bloody Mary or yeah. like the feather stiff as a board. How did the bloody, how did the bloody Mary one work for you? Did you see something in the mirror? Oh yeah. Okay. So I don't know if it's because this is what I was told was supposed to happen, but you, we all would get in front of them, go into the bathroom, you close the door and you just go bloody Mary, bloody Mary until all of a sudden you see like a woman in white with blood all over her. And then we scream and run out of the door, out of the thing. Wait, and so yes, did, I always saw it. Did anybody else that you were doing yeah, it? Yeah, there were there were people that saw it. Yeah, I, at least they said they did. You know, in hindsight, I don't know. Yeah, because I want to know, um, like, how it works for you. Um, how, like, what do you see? Do you see certain images? Do you have to like focus and really like get into the I don't know the right energy to channel. Yes. I, it's a process that I have, um, really streamlined for myself. Right. And it's, you know, first and foremost, it's centered, centering and getting grounded from the heart. You know, I kind of have to put who I am kind of to the side and I center myself and I get grounded. And I, I actually have affirmations that I do or invocations that I do, or I am decrees that I do. And, um, you know, through that and, and grounding myself, and this is actually what I do before I see, uh, have a client, mm-hmm. you know, I kind of have to do it every morning before I, I wake up. I mean, before I start my day, I do a version of this, but I also, you know, primarily before a client. And a lot of times when I get a booking, as soon as I get a booking, I can intuitively go, oh my God, I know this is not going to be an easy one. Mm. And it's not, not, has nothing to do with the spirit. It has to do with the person. So I will, I will beforehand, I will have to go clear the energy that might create a conflict in the session, right? Because I don't edit what I get. And my energy, you know, it's like you can please most of the people most of the time, but not all the people all the time. And especially when it comes to mediumship, it's not a for perfect science. So, you know, I'm not always going to get anybody, mm-hmm. you know, you you know, a lot of the times I won't get anything, not a lot of the times, but, or sometimes I'll get somebody that the person doesn't want to hear from and they get really irritated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I don't, that's not who I'm trying to connect with, but you know, so, but I do, I, I, it's about, it's a grounding, it's a clearing, it's a purifying and, and, you know, a connecting with heart and spirit and opening myself up to, you know, being a divine channel for that energy that's meant to come through for the person I'm going to be working with, you know, the client and that spirit world, right? Does everybody have angels around them? Yes. I would say so, whether they actually know it or ever connect or a medium picks up on it, not, you know, you may not know it, but absolutely a hundred percent. Yes. The angelic realm to me is so beyond real. And usually a spirit will say, oh my God, they have no idea how great it is here. 
they have no idea how great it is. And especially for people that are ultra, ultra religious, a lot of times people go, oh my God, I was so ultra religious and I didn't even know this was what was going on. Wow. Yes, this, but also this. And then there's also, depending upon the circuit, there's so many variables, depending on the circumstance, it could also just be, I am with my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that's, that's enough. But it can also be, oh my God, I was a Bible thumper. And yet, oh my God, Cosmos Christ consciousness is also Buddha consciousness. It's also Shiva consciousness, right? It's also Shahina consciousness, you know? Interesting. I always yeah. wondered if I have any, like, any kind of like guardian angels or. Well, first and foremost, yes, you do. Because look at the work you're doing. Number one, you're doing the work that the angelic realm would, you know, want to actively have you do. Mm-hmm. So somewhere you got the calling to step outside a program school of thought to raise your vibratory frequency and seek truth, right? Mm-hmm. And to be able to be a listener like you are, you are willing and open to hear other people's opinions and experiences. And I would think coming from a place in an upbringing like you did, that's not necessarily welcome, mm-hmm. right? Because it may be something that might transform your, your ideology and philosophy and make you leave the church, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And what a lot of people, depending on what, what religion you're from, I'm considered a devil, right? Oh, yeah. I would know many people who would think that. <laughs> right. So, you know, to do the work of the angels, you know, who are all about unconditional love, unconditional love, unconditional service, and also about taking action. Like the angelic realm is all about action, action, action. The more you actually connect with them and say, look, I command and demand you to help me with this right now. Like you can literally just say it like that angelic realm. I may not know who you are, but I know you exist. I command and demand that you just send me the people, places, and things necessary to bring about my desired results as it relates to this interview today. Like Mm -hmm. if you need, if you're going on an interview, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So you have, uh, you know, I can just tune into you. First of all, you have a lot of women around you and it's not just because, well, you do do, is this the only women podcast? Um, I've had, I've had a, I've had one guy on. You have sisters. Uh, Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you have a lot of women around you. Mm -hmm. You also have, um, there's a lot of women around you. You you have this, you know, divine, you have this divine mother energy going on. And when you have this, you know, this innate divine mother, and when I say divine mother, I'm talking about the universal, you know, energy of the divine feminine, but that mother, like in, in Christianity, it would be mother Mary and in Asia it'd be Kuan Yin In Mexico, it's the Virgin of Guadalupe and, you know, the Kabbalah Shekhinah and, you know, in Egypt, you have Isis, you have the Hathors, you have all these beautiful, you know, goddesses, you know, there, there are so many of these, you know, in India, it's Durga, it's Lakshmi, it's, it's Saraswati. So all these embodiments of the divine mother, which is you. Okay. So that uh, embodiment of the divine mother, you know, 
with that angelic realm is you also have like, you know, you have this interest. Do you, are you familiar with your grandparents, your grandmothers and grandparents? Um, to some degree. Mm-hmm. So you have, I, maybe this is a guide and maybe this is an angel, but you have a woman who is like um, kind of ahead of her time, mm-hmm. right? She was definitely, definitely somebody religious. And um, she's definitely somebody religious. And it looks like she's typing a lot. Maybe she was like engineering or typing or something. Um, But she was really good at like getting people together and getting things done and developing groups. And, you know, especially for her time, for a woman to do what she was doing, she kind of was like, but she did it from a, you know, a really kind of angelic place. Does this resonate at all? I have a lot of grandmothers that have, were like very much into the religion that I was raised in and that okay. were but they did like they they did good things. Mm-hmm. But however, this one particularly wasn't so. She had this. She was with her husband a long time, but she wasn't particularly fond of him towards the end. I think. Does this? Do you know who this might be? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I and, think so. Mm-hmm. And she, this woman. Let me see. Jane. James. Sir James. Mm, I know there's a John like okay, yeah. that's a John I don't okay, know it's okay she's kind of got I got a or aura thing what Dorothy yeah who is who's her husband John okay it could be this mm-hmm. one okay wait don't tell me anything about her okay I know I have other grandparents because, no but you're you're spot on with Dorothy Okay. She's like a little woman. She's kind of a teat woman. Mm-hmm. Um, do you know what she looks like? Mm-hmm. Okay. She's um, she's kind of petite. Uh, this is the one that's not f- fond of the husband, right? Um, yeah, that would. Yes. I think okay. that might be accurate. Yes, this is her. She says, yes, this is her. <laughs> so she, she's been, she's telling me she's been gone a while. Mm-hmm. And she, um, she is, uh, like you said, she's very, very in torture. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think I mentioned this to you because she knows I'm obsessed with this doomsday cult trial of the Mormon couple that, okay. Uh, forgiving killed their children and yep. they're in jail now. I know all about I'm that. like obsessed about this thing. And she's like, please don't hold us against us. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, wow. Yeah. That would make sense. There's always bad apples. Doesn't matter what it is. There's always bad apples. Um, anyway, um, so she says, yes, indeed, you have guardian angels. She, if you're willing to recognize her in essence is one. Mm-hmm. So you can call on her to give you clarity and guidance. She said, there's tons of kids around you. She's like, y'all have so many kids. Yeah, there. Yeah, so many kids. Mm-hmm. Does it? Do you know what this means? I, it's going to be really important for you to raise your kids to to like be able to understand what it is to embody their own truth. Yeah, yep. And she is 
very, she does not, she's really incredibly in awe of what you're doing. She has no qualms about you moving out of the church. And she's like, she kind of saying, don't trip, just don't trip. (laughs) Because she's actually really um, open to, you know, while she was really devout in her own circle, she did so many, she's telling me she did a lot of different things. And she was a very hard worker. Mm Mm-hmm very hard worker, but she says, one thing you have to really do is maintain your femininity and your, and own your power as a woman. And, you know, you are doing that and other people in the church are doing it. And it's like getting back to like, you know, we, I said in the beginning, you can be very faithful and not be in your body. You can give lip service all day long, but not have digested an ounce of what you're preaching. Yeah. That's amazing. Cause when you were talking about women, I was raised with eight sisters. Oh my God. <laughs> and my parents, when I was an adult adopted three more girls. Um, and so, but, but yeah, nine biological sisters and three adopted, um, siblings. So there are a lot of females in my life. Oh, okay. Was her husband named Scott? My, her, her son is Scott. That's my dad. <gasps> I got chills. Wow. Okay. She Oh, she's so happy. She <laughs> loves Scott's wife. Melody, that's my mom. Is that your mom? Mm-hmm. She really likes her. She's an amazing, amazing woman. Yeah. Nine is the subtle body. And that's the way to, okay, that's getting back to how do I connect? I connect through the subtle body. So yeah. you know how, you know, Jesus and you see all these saints, and the angela angels when you see images they all have the gold and halo or that gold they have the halo the the angels have that you know gold halo and the saints always have this gold aura that's because their aura is so strong mm-hmm. right and when you become a saint or you become an ascended master like jesus buddha krishna allah <clears throat> they're all they're actually these ascended masters they did the work on themselves and they figured out how to be go, go beyond go beyond the ego <clears throat> and that's why their energy bodies are still palpable, right? Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. So when you go to pray and you connect with, you know, whoever the spiritual entity of your choice is, you can really have that palpable experience, mm-hmm. right? Because in that ascended state, their energy bodies, their auras are so strong, they're living and breathing energy fields. Wow. How, how do you, how do you see my grandmother? Like, how does that, <clears throat> it comes to me or do you see, do you hear something? Like, I'm so curious. <clears throat> I think she's trying to talk through me. I'm not kidding because this happens sometimes. Oh, wow. I will hear anything she has to say. <clears throat> um, somebody's trying to talk. Uh, so when I, you know, you, when you, if you like Google psychics or mediums, you'll come across the, the clairsentient, the clairaudient, the clairvoyant. For me, it's mostly um, clairvoyant, which is a knowing, right? I just get these knowings. I just get the information 
as a knowing. And then sometimes I get an image like with her, I'm like, oh, is she a petite woman? Mm-hmm. Right. Other than that, I just get a knowing and it's just information that can come to me fast, 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 fast. Right. And I have to, and a lot of times they'll be speaking and it's not necessarily English. And I'm going to, I have, I'm trying really quickly how to figure out how to translate it to you in English or translate it to you in a a way that it makes sense. And then you knew my dad's name is Scott. So she, she says Scott. So I, 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 which I, you know, as a medium, because I was, I was, she was telling me about her husband. I made the assumption, which was wrong, that it, oh, this must be her husband. Yeah, yeah. But you clarified to me that it was her son. And that's when, and then she gives me a ding, ding. Yes, you've, yeah. it's, that's right. Well, but he, he's actually named after his dad. So his dad's name is. Oh, John. well, okay. So his dad's name is John. And then his first, my dad's first name is John, but they always called him by his middle name, which is Scott. Okay. So there you go. And let me tell you, it can get, the spirit will a lot of times give me one word that will make sense for so many different things, Mm -hmm. right? Like it, I am first, for instance, your father definitely was named after him, right? Mm -hmm. So, okay. But it could also mean, I, I don't usually know what it is until, you know, I get there, but you know, the, the connect, connection can be so mundane, but it literally opens up something to something else. Right. Yeah. I love that you said that she said, don't trip <laughs> about when it comes to religion, because I think like raising my kids a different way than I was raised and that so many generations have been raised, just raising them in a different way. It freaks me out a little bit. It's just, it's new territory. But that is like something very important to me. It's like, I want them to be true to who they are, no matter what I teach them in life. I want them to always feel like they have the freedom, that life is not black and white, that they will always have the freedom to their own choices, truly, truly make their own choices. I mean, what a gift. Yeah. So I text my mom in that. I I asked her what you were saying about my grandma. Mm -hmm. Um. I asked her, did grandma type? Was she an organizer? There's so many things. Like I know little bits and pieces, but you know, we live so far apart that we didn't get to see each other often. So this is what my mom said. She was an accountant for the general release society. So that's like pretty high up in the church. Um, uh, so she said, I was, so I imagine there was some typing involved. And then she said, she also organized the women of Nauvoo project with the statues so she wasn't organized. Whoa. That was like a pretty big project. Whoa, wait, women with statues? Yeah, women of Nauvoo project. Yeah. What is Nauvoo? That's so, like some okay. goddess retreat on a planet. <laughs> it does. I think it like means heaven or something. I don't know exactly what it, I don't actually. Uh, I and are the statues of women? Yeah, so it was actually all for the church. So her life was like dedicated to the church. Uh, which was very common for the, for women of that, like that era that were, uh, so basically Nauvoo was a place that the church was established or kind of moved to Nauvoo. And there was a lot of like pioneer women, a lot of people who, um, 
there was like a big uh, like martyr there of the prophet. And there's just a ton of church history there. And a lot of women who like traveled and kids were like, you know, died along the trail while they were traveling to Salt Lake. And it, there was a lot of like tragedy, but a lot of, um, that is an interesting church. story. Yeah. It's like, it's a whole story, but anyway, so it was, so yeah, that was kind of cool. So, and it says she loved that project and that was a job, not a church calling. Okay. So, and then through the years, I remember being a library. Oh, so she was also a librarian at her church and she would train people, um, for desert industries, which is like a goodwill type place for the church. A lot of people with like disabilities will get a, um, jobs there, you know, they help a lot of mm-hmm. people. So, and I remember she was very, very social too, and would gather people together. And so like everything you're saying, that's kind of cool that my mom texted me that just now. <laughs> wow. The women of Nauvoo. I'm not going to forget that. Yeah. Oh, I was going to ask you because you did say there were a, oh, like, wait. a lot of women around me. Did you mean like, there's a lot of women? I think I'm, I'm curious about this women in Nauvoo now. <laughs> well, so, I'm wondering, like, I know you're trying to get away from it, but I'm sorry. <laughs> it is, well, yeah. I mean, yeah, she was she was kick butt. She was a very, very, very special person. She was the best. So that's cool. But you yeah. could seriously, I mean, if this, if there's any portion of this, you know, religion that you grew up in, I don't. It's because it's not an old religion, is it? Um, no. No, it's not. So, you know, it could be interesting if it, if for some reason the original, you know, the original aspects of this were a group of goddesses. Yeah. So definitely don't think it was based on goddesses. In fact, we're not like a lot of pray to our heavenly mother or even really talk about our heavenly mother. It's just like, pay, you know, just heavenly father. Don't, in fact, they just spoke about it. Just like, the oh my God, they said, wow. do not pray to heavenly mother. She's too sacred to pray to. She's too sacred to talk about, <laughs> which I had a big issue with. Like once I, I remember once I, I decided to pray and I was like, this is when I was starting to break a little bit when it came to religion. And I was like, you know what, as a mother, I would want my children to come and talk to me and call upon me. I would never say I'm too sacred for you to speak to. Like I would beg for you to speak to me. And so I decided one day, I'm like, I'm going to just say, instead of the normal, what they normally say, which is heavenly father, they always start with heavenly father. I was like, I'm just going to say heavenly mother. I'm going to see what happens. And I said it and I just broke down in tears. I like sobbed for like a solid 10 minutes. Cause I was like, this is a a somatic release. It was like, and as a mother too, like a new mom and I was struggling and I was thinking of my own children, like after years and years of being separated, coming to me and finally saying, Oh, I'm going to acknowledge you finally. And Mm -hmm. it like, it got me like super choked up. And then, and yeah, it was a really cool experience. I was like, Mm -hmm. listening, maybe there isn't just this like male figure that I can speak to, you know, there's uh, the, the divine feminine is very, um, very active, very loving, very nurturing. And I felt like I was talking to her woman to woman, mother to mother like who's to better understand what a mother is going through than a mother, you know? And so I was like, you, you get me. Like, there's this moment of like, obviously I should be talking to you. I would go to my own mom for advice. I want to come to you for advice or for help or for gratitude. Exactly. It's amazing. You had that awakening. 
yeah, that's kind of was a big shift in my life was that moment was like, maybe I don't have it all figured out. I think I just don't have it all figured out. So, what, are, you know, what are your thoughts on the afterlife? Like what, what do you think happens? Do you think there's a God or a goddess or, you know, for me, it's a little interesting because I had the luxury or not luxury of actually having four near death experiences, two were clinical deaths, one that, because I was in the care of a doctor where I was dead for eight minutes and then I came back to life and was in a coma actually for two days. Went eight minutes dead, coma two days. And then, um, and within that, you know, and my, I had two near-death experiences that were beyond the bond amazing. It's almost it's so challenging to put into words because you don't even have these kind of experiences when they're living. They're just, it's, it's unconditional love, bliss. Like you could, you, it's very hard to put it in words. I, I read a book on a while back. I'm a doctor, that neurosurgeon who uh, put into words his near-death experience. And I'm like, he did a really good job <laughs> oh. because it's such a sensory experience. It's very hard to articulate, especially when you're not raised or haven't had those experiences uh, here on earth, right? Mm-hmm. We don't have those ex- sensory experiences. You know, you can get really close to that, I think. And if you get, you know, into these yogic practices that, you know, I've gotten really close, mm-hmm. but I've never experienced anything like that. So yes, I I do believe. And plus with my, uh, you know, studies in different, you know, yogic lineages and Buddhist lineages, you know, which definitely believe in, re, you know, afterlife reincarnation. But for me, you know, the experience was like, yeah, I can die. <laughs> I know it's a juicy, you know, phenomenal experience. What? So you, you were dead for a, like actually dead for a, an amount of time. Yeah. So I, you know, and I'm going to be really raw here. <laughs> Thank you. No, um, I if it's okay. And you may edit this out, but, um, I, so my first near-death experience was when I choked on a baked potato when I was a freshman in high school. And my, my younger sister, who uh, was like a world-class gymnast at the time, you know, started giving me the Heimlich maneuver. But I literally at that moment, and I don't even know how I, how I had the capacity to actually make this decision. But when I knew I was dying, I went, oh, I'm dying. I go, okay, God, you can take me. And that's when the whole thing opened up. And, you know, as a freshman in high school, like, you know, I was in fight or fight mode, so much trauma in my house and so much trauma in my environment and my school and this and that, you know, I don't even know how I made the connection to go, okay, God, I'm willing to die. I'm ready to die. Oh my goodness. And I got really excited about it. And when I came back, I was really pissed off. I was on the concrete next to a pool you know, it, it happened at our country club and all the lifeguards were laughing, going, oh, she's just joking. And I was actually oh literally choking on a baked potato. And my little sister did the Heimlich maneuver. Oh my gosh. She saved um, you. She told, she, she saved me. Like it was really interesting. Yeah. yeah. We have some interesting karma together because then I was uh, stung by a Portuguese man of war mm-hmm. and I have no memory, zero memory of 
after being stung by that thing and crawling back up onto the beach to waking up in a hospital, I think like two days later or something going really wild. That experience, I definitely passed and I ended up in a, this is going to sound ultra, ultra woo woo. Okay. That's okay. I <laughs> ended up, <laughs> I didn't really say this, but it was really interesting. I ended up on a spaceship and I was like, I was, I was actually a little boy. I wasn't a girl. And there were these really tall beings on this spaceship. And it, it literally looked like all these tall beings were standing around. And I was a little boy and I was playing hide and seek with all these kids, other kids my age. And we were hiding in the legs of these really tall beings. Mm-hmm. There was some kind of like lecture going on or something. And Was it freaky? Were you not? Well, I was in it. But I got to tell you, I was outside kind of observing it. I remember observing it thinking, oh my God, this is so much fun and it's so cool. And I think this is me and it, you know, I remember observing it, but also being completely a part of it. And, you know, I I maybe have told one or two other people this actually. And um, I, all of a sudden I kept hearing come here, come here. You got to go back. You got to go back. And I I was holding on to somebody's legs. I don't know who they were. And I'm like, I'm not going back. I'm not going back. I went back once. I'm not going back again. Right. And they're like, come here, come here. So I walk up to the front and, you know, I, I can actually see space. Like if you remember Star Trek, how, you know, you know, the major control room, you can mm-hmm. have that whole windshield. Yep. And there was this male and female being, but they, they looked kind of androgynous, but one was definitely male and one was definitely female. And they were very tall and they were wearing like just this beautiful, like, you know, like if uh, space outfits were haute couture, they were beautiful and everything was tele- tele- telepathy. We were all speaking telepathically and they were just the love coming that was beaming on to me from them was just so juicy and so magnificent and so palpable. I mean, I can even just feel it now when I tune into it and they're like, you have to go back. And I'm like, I'm not going back. I'm not going back. Next thing I know I'm back. And I'm like, what am I doing here? You know? Yeah. And um, yeah, that was really interesting. So, okay. So that was experience number two. So that was experience number two. Okay. Now experience number three and four were not good at all. Do you want to know about those? They were Um, dark. Of course I want to hear about it. Not good. In sharing this, I don't want to project a reality that this exists. Because I think this was my experience based on the situation at hand. Okay. Okay. I used to be a big partier, um, never got in trouble or anything, but, and I say big partier compared to most, I was probably mild, but for me as an empath and an intuitive, I, I really, you know, I was mostly a drinker. Alcohol was my alcohol was what quieted everything. And then, was it, you was know, it quieting like the spirits down to it was quieting. Yeah. Everything. So there, I had so much activity in my head that I remember I did a brain scan once because I kept going, what's wrong with me? What's something is always wrong with me. And empaths always think there's something wrong. And 
I remember this guy when he did a brain, one of these electro things, he's like, man, you're, you, you have this whole alpha activity in the back of your brain that is just on fire, right? He's like, you have so much activity. I can never sleep. And, you know, and I, I didn't go into it too much, but that just too much chatter at night. And, you know, I would have a lot of, um, connecting with, you know, kind of dark stuff. And I don't know why I don't anymore. That stuff doesn't just so, you know, I, I have set, you know, bottom lines that I do not work with dark. I do not work with negative energy. It serves nobody. It, there's no, it, it serves no purpose. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I have really mastered the art of never delving in that kind of energy field at all. Sure. You know, and I think the last time I ever experienced it was, you know, in 2000, probably six. And I just kind of went, oh, note to self, there it is again, surgically removed myself from it. I, the last year of my drinking, I started doing cocaine. And the funny thing was, is I was always petrified of drugs, like terrorized. Like I never smoked pot in high school. Drink, drinking was fine because I was raised Everybody, we have parties in our house. Everybody drink. The weird thing is, is like, I was immediately addicted immediately, but I was getting it free all the time. So, you know, it's like, I do it whenever anybody would give it to me. Right. Mm -hmm. It wasn't buying it or anything. And then, you know, I eventually bought it and, you know, I think there's a saying, I think Stevie Nicks actually said this. She said, you know, you know, it's one thing to, you know, do cocaine if somebody's giving it to you, but if, when you find yourself buying it, that's when you know you have a big problem. Mm -hmm. But besides that, you know, honestly, I, it was, I think I only did it for four months because I OD'd on it twice in those four oh, months. Crap. Wow. And actually the guy I ended up buying it from, you know, took me to a hospital and they did the defibrillator on me and everything mm -hmm. brought me back. And I don't remember any of that but here's what I remember. Oh boy, buckle up. All right. oh, I ended up in this, like at the inside of a mountain. It was like, if it, it's like I could, if I, I was on this ledge, just up against this mountain, if I like went, moved one little foot, I would literally fall into a fiery pit below me. And this, there was a, um, a, this ledge I was on wrapped around the whole inside of the, of this mountain. And it could have been a cave, but more like a mountain because it was shaped like this and really tall. And it, you know, it started out really wide and started getting, you know, more narrow toward the top. And, um, the, in this, so we were talking about it. So what was going on down in the below when I looked down, it's like there was some kind of mining going on and there were these beings in like metal outfits and they were all like putting stuff in these, in these like crates. They kind of looked like those, um, like a coal crate, you know, when you see coal mines mm -hmm. and those, those, um, those containers that they push along the tracks and the coal Perfect. mines they fill up yep. with coal. So this is what was happening. Everybody was like, these beings like that were in these like, like iron 
they were just like ironclad outfits, right? Were they like, like kind of from the previous experience, like these like tall figures? No, completely 100% different. And I was standing there and I'm like, oh my God, is this what hell is? Mm -hmm. Is this because I'm here because I was doing cocaine? Because I most, you know, my previous death, I didn't know I was in a death experience at the time, but my previous ones had been, you know, really cosmic and angelic and transcendental, you know, yummy. And this was like, what the heck? And, and, um, you know, I, and I never, honestly, even though I've had some fear things, I've never, ever had a terrorizing, like, you know, when I was a kid, yes, but this was a whole nother level when I, you know, I should say when I've had out-of-body experiences, like I've had out-of-body experiences, which were amazing and really cool and really interesting. And I've had the death experiences, the two prior to this, which were amazing. So I never experienced an out-of-body experience or a death experience that was like this, that was completely, you know, very low, low, low vibration. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh my God. And then I was out of it. I was just out. And I woke up in a hospital and there was a social worker there um, going, you know, we've got a problem and blah, blah, blah. And um, I was like, no, I don't. And I had just gotten a really big job at the same time. I was just that week. I had just started a really big job. And um, I kinda, I'm like, I got to go. I got to get back to my office. And no, they were trying. I, I don't even remember. I was so, I was just so discombobulated because of this experience. And then I come out of it and it's daylight. And I'm like, and this woman's standing there going, sitting there at my bed going, you have a problem, you know, we need to address it. And I'm like, no, I'm just a party girl, right? Whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, Did you see it as a problem? Did you see that you had become addicted or were you? I knew, here's the thing. I knew the cocaine was probably an issue, but I didn't think it wasn't. I probably didn't think it was something I couldn't stop at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, the irony is it was the alcohol that was the issue because I only did cocaine probably for, you know, on and off for six months till I was done. Most people do it lifetimes until they're done. Right. Right. So right. it was a real quick thing. And and you, you know, not a hand. Yeah. Yeah. And it, um, a month later I had another OD same exact near death experience. Literally uh, the house I was at, they called the ambulance to come and get me. And when I was in the ambulance, I think is, is when I was having this near death experience because <laughs> I I can't remember, actually, I wrote it down somewhere, but this is the interesting thing. I was exactly on that same ledge in the same volcano, same place, same bad channel, same, same beings. Exactly. I'm up against this wall. Like if I like breathe, I'll fall over right down into it. But this time there was this presence behind me, even though it was all rock behind me, there was an, a presence of an energy that was very divine. And it lovingly telepathically said to me, are you done? 
Are you done? And it wasn't just, I got at the time, it wasn't just, am I done with drugs and partying? Are you done being afraid of the world? Are you done not being, you know, who you are? Are you done, you know, struggling and suffering and, and you know, codependent, whatever? Are you done with all of it, right? I could just tell it was like, okay, okay, I'm done. And then it also said, you know, this is your last time because the next time it will be final. I mean, did you die at all or were you just kind of like almost? Um, this yeah. in the, uh, no, this was definitely dead because the people's house I was in, they said my pulse stopped when the, uh, the paramedics came, they were pumping my heart and they got my heart going again. Wow. So That's all these times I was dead. There were two where uh, the first one was it second second one they had to do the heart thing the, use the thing to bring me back. You know I had had much of these enough of these divine experiences that I didn't want to do as you disservice to whoever it was in the these cosmic realms who kept showing up for me time and time again. Mm-hmm. Right? Literally was in e- rehab December twenty eighth. 29th through, I was supposed to go to a New Year's Eve party. It was supposed to be making stuff for these people. Didn't even make it till New Year's Eve. But when I got out, I went to my first official AA meeting, the the one I showed up to where I was kind of half drunk. Um, I kept seeing people I knew and I was like hiding behind trees. I can't do this. But I went to a, a meeting straight out of rehab And I intuitively knew, I was like, oh, this is not going to keep me sober. Mm -hmm. I just knew. I stayed in those meetings for years, but within three months, in less than three months, I found myself in Sedona, Arizona, in a group of people doing conscious breathing work. And that's literally, if it wasn't for that, I don't know if I'd stay sober. And that is how everything, within a year, I was out of the music business and all of a sudden into the healing business and everything kind of just really snowballed from there in a really good way. It was just like a domino effect. Every time I'm, I did something, it would open up something else. It would open up something else. And it was the breath work became the touchstone to my sobriety. It became the, you know, the touchstone and the catalyst to just a, a, a radical angelic cosmic purification. Um, I have some questions about sort of how you interact with the other side. And I know a lot of people, there were a lot of audience questions. I feel like I'm, I'll cover a lot of that with the questions that I've come up with myself. How often are you communicating with the other side? Is it just like all day? Can you shut it off? Can you? Absolutely, absolutely shut it off. It's a big learning curve for me. Um, So I only communicate when I'm actually in a session. Now that's not to say people don't show up, mm-hmm. you know, and I've noticed uh, if something shows up, it's to get my intention for a certain reason, whether it's for me specifically or for somebody else, unless somebody engages with me now, Like, you know, hypothetical, I'm in line at a grocery store, unless this person is really engaging with me and starts a conversation or makes some sort of energetic connection, I won't get it. Mm -hmm. 
and if they do, I can get something, but it's nothing like it used to. When you say really engaging, what do you mean an energetic connection? Like, are they going to flicker some lights? Or are they going to, I mean, what no, is- I mean an energetic connection with the person, the, the physical person here on earth, like the person standing in line next to me at the grocery well, store. I- if there was some sort of energy connection there, and it could be so subtle, but I can sense it in two seconds. It's just that kind of if something huh? comes, if something comes up, like someone at the grocery store, do you do you know? And I'll tell you why. Because I was so unsophisticated with this skill set, whatever you want, it was a, not a skill early on. It was I was very unsophisticated with it. I was very immature with it. I I would just start spouting things off, and people would get in shock. Mm-hmm. And n- n- for the most part, people were not, I didn't know how to just go Do you time out. Do you mind if I tell you something? Mm-hmm. I know you're going to think this is odd, which is not my style anyway. I don't push what I do on anybody. Like you'll notice, like it's, I don't even have an Instagram page. Barely. I have a personal page and I have a business page. I don't, I'm not on Facebook. I, you know, my website's 10 years old. I don't push anybody what I do onto people if somebody wants to come to me, I invite them to come or it's, it's word of mouth or referral or something. So it's not my style anyways. Um, but how I was doing it was I thought, oh, it's great. People are going to want to know this. Yeah. I would just, would if I ran into the grocery store and something came down, like, tell me. Oh, I would just put it out. And I think it was just, people would just be like, you know, it's, you know, you got to come at it from a more sacred, more grounded. And I wasn't very grounded either. You know, I was, you know, at that point I had started getting into this yoga where it was like, everybody was high all the time acting spiritual. Mm -hmm. At the same time, I was coming into this thing. So it was like, you know, um, I had to really, really learn to pull back my energy and ground myself and really start getting into meditation practices that helped me really embody these practices. Like I had to start embodying practices that could help me really understand because I didn't read books. I didn't go to teachers. I didn't take classes. I, the whole thing was a learning curve for me. It was like, I just was thrown out in the middle of an ocean without legs And, you know, I don't suggest anybody should do it that way because it's just now, I mean, it's, everybody's a psychic medium. So, and all, there's so much information out there. Yeah. But you can can train people how to do it, right? Like people who have that sense. Oh yeah, I do often. um, It's not something I promote, but if somebody wants me to, to mentor them one-on-one, I have a couple of secret sauces I've developed over time that can really get people to access these, you know, these energy fields fairly quickly. Can you sense if somebody has that, like sort of that open channel or that sensitivity? Yeah, usually if they, I can. And usually they're the easier ones to do sessions with. Mm -hmm. You know, the ones who are open channels or the ones who, um, you know, have already have some semblance of their life together. And I say that, I don't know if that sounds right, but if they're, they're already kind of successful in whatever their career path is, or they're, they're kind of grounded and focused and they're just trying to get some information. Mm-hmm. 
you know, if they're just trying to get information to better a certain area in their life, you know, because mediumship isn't just talking about talking to the dead. For me, it's not. It's really opening up a space, you know, of energy and being able to channel different forms of energy to activate, you know, your sensory system. Yeah. To flip on all these switches. The whole point is to flip on these switches. Right? I have two sisters who I feel like are really sensitive to it. Actually three. I have, I have a lot of sisters, as you know, now three sisters who I feel like are very sensitive. And I always joke. I'm like, I am not, I'm like, I feel like I'm so close. I'm like, so curious, but I feel like I'm so like, I know you're a psychic's off. best friend because you're yeah. curious I'm so curious I'm like tell me everything like if you see something tell me but I am I get spooked very easily and I yeah I like any little noise at night when my husband's out of town I sleep with a nightlight like I get so spooked and I always tell people I'm always like yeah I don't think I I'm in tune with that at all, but my sisters are very, and they have some crazy experiences. So yeah, but it, it is interesting because I do think it is so individual. I have a sister who worked hospice and she had some very interesting, and she's very uh, open to that. I, I think she has sort of an open channel. One of my clients is a big hospice worker mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I love working with her. She's, I mean, she's end of life mm-hmm. caregiver. And, um, she's phenomenal. And I love doing readings with her because I, I actually can pick up on the people she's, you know, facilitating the hospice care with, and, you know, it's really interesting. Yeah. And I, you know, by, you know, did you say your sister is one? Is that what you said? My, so I have, a, so I have a very interesting family. I have a lot of sisters, as you know, um, mm-hmm. I have one sister who d- does hospice or, or sorry, she used to work hospice, um, as a social mm. worker. So she was there at the end, the end of life. A lot of people right. hold their hands as they passed. She's had some experiences that she can't deny as being, um, being paranormal. Like they were definitely something to them. And then I have another sister who's always been very, in tune with things and has always kind of carried just like different energies around, I guess it's, she just has some, some interesting experiences where she feels like she's had like entities kind of like follow her around. And then she also is, she is a psychic and she, she does like tarot cards and she, I think is starting this like progression into learning how to be more in tune with that. So, and she's always been, but now she's really starting to refine it. Yeah. And then another That's amazing. Yeah. I have my family. <laughs> my family. I, you know, I really feel, I really feel people like me and your, the sisters you're describing, we really kind of are born with this. And mm-hmm. at some point in our lives, we're going to have to just, you know, drop the 5,000 pound rock we, we've been holding and start to embrace it mm-hmm. and figure out how to cultivate it and, you know, really have fun and realize and learn how to be of service with it. And, you know, my sister who is now like trying to hone these skills and she's doing great. Like she's really, she's come a long way over the last couple of years, but she's the same where she's very, she's a complete empath. 
just always been very, very sensitive, very in tune with people, takes on other people's emotions, sometimes Mm. burden because she can't shut her brain off similar to to you. Um, So yeah, you actually like, I see a lot of similarities there. Oh my God. I've had, I, let me tell you something. I feel for people like that because if any, you know, for the people who, you know, are the empaths and the really highly sensitive people, you know, I've developed so many internal conditions that I've had multiple surgeries on my stomach, my esophagus. Um, I, I had another hernia surgery recently, all in the most sacred, powerful points in your body mm-hmm. from taking on so much. I don't do it anymore. I mean, it's, you know, I have to be very vigilant about it because I can still, despite all the work I've done and all the tools I have in my toolkit. It's, it's still there. I just have to be very, very careful. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to really look at your body. It's a temple and you gotta, you gotta wash those marble floors every day. Do you ever get any uh, messages that you just, you're like, I'm not telling that person that? Nope. (sighs) Okay. Yes. And sometimes I wonder if, uh, you know, how much I should really, you know, express that on, on a public level, because I just, I don't want people to interpret it wrong. Mm-hmm. Right. Like there's something really bad going to happen, but the psychic would have tell me mm-hmm. it's not like that. Right. It's not the stuff I get. So are you familiar with the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous? Of course I've heard of them, but I don't know all of them. Okay. So, well, there's one where you make amends and it it actually says, and I, I, it's interesting because I don't participate in that program at all anymore, but there's, you know, there's some real gems of uh, tools in there. And the one that says make amends, we make amends to those we've harmed, except when to do so would injure them or others. So that's what except when to do so would injure them or others. So if I get something that I know is not appropriate to tell them or might affect somebody else, I will withhold it. Them knowing it or not knowing it, them not, them knowing it will serve them no purpose whatsoever, but will make them spiral but they don't need to know it. Does this make sense? Abs- yes, absolutely. Do you, when you do withhold, do you feel like, is there ever like this, like anger or disappointment coming from the person who was giving that? No, there usually it's the, the person sharing something with me that they want me to know, not the other person. Cause it's like, there's this, you know, it's not just a sacredness and an autonomy with the client, it's the same with the spirit I'm connecting with. I mean, I have boundaries there as well. Do you ever get like really mundane messages from? Oh my God. The mundane. <laughs> like, why are you happens. telling me this? You know, I really, the mundane doesn't make for good flair in a reading, but it happens all the time. And, you know, I try to tell, you know, um, I try to explain to a client, you know, I use this expression all the time because it was one of the very first ones ever I got that was really mundane and said, oh, you had a peanut butter sandwich. 
And then the person will look and go, oh yeah, I had one for lunch. I mean, for, <laughs> breakfast, for breakfast this morning. That's what she said. Oh yeah, she's she. they can see what you're doing. Like the person sitting there doesn't usually react to it, mm-hmm. you know, or, oh, you've got a green, you know, did you have a green dress on yesterday? Or is there a, is there a frame of you in front of something? You know, the other day I had, uh, I go, oh, you have a purple crystal somewhere over there. She, oh yeah, it's on my win- windowsill. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that, right? Okay. Just because the spirit is like saying, just, I know. Just know that I'm, I'm watching you. You know, I, I see, see you. everything. Cause like there's some parts of my life. I'm like, oh, I don't want you to say my You know what? I don't know. I really don't know. All I know is what I get when I'm in a reading, you know, it's all I know is what I get. And honestly, I'm sure, you know, they have enough, um, you know, of their own boundaries to go. Yeah. I'm not going to watch you in the bathroom. <laughs> well, right. But like, like, are they doing other things on the other side? Yes, absolutely. So progressing. a very good question. This is, there are mer- very many variables and it also, I really want to stress this, you know, whatever your belief system is, whatever your maybe spiritual path is, you know, um, Everybody has their own concept of how they were raised or if they got out of it, they found a path that, that, you know, has the discussion of death and afterlife in it. Sadly, in the West here, we don't have much. If somebody dies, it's suck it up and get over with it and get on with your life. There's no sacred practices. There's no rituals. There's, you know, not a lot of mourning period, you know, and, um, unless you're Jewish or Buddhist or in, you know, Hindu or something, but, um, you know, from my experience working with lots of different, you know, hundreds of readings I've done, you know, it varies. It can vary based on that person's karma. It can vary based on how that person crossed over. Like for instance, when I crossed over on cocaine and I was in this place, right? Mm-hmm. If that person maybe was in that place, though, I don't think they would, they're going to be taken into a place that they're healing and they're going to get some sort of purification from. Some people are in healing for a year. If they are car wrecks or something, you know, I've experienced them. They're in like a, a place where they're just being healed. What some do you people mean are being healed because if someone's in a car wreck, you mean like physically because their spirit is well, their their soul is reconnecting, mm-hmm. right? With a lot of time, they're in shock. So when they cross over, they're confused and they don't know what happened. And if nobody's making a connection with them to tell them what happened, and that's one thing that's really great about mediumship is that there's a lot of spirits that are really confused. They don't know what happened, and um. Once their loved one here starts opening up and connecting with them in this way, all of a sudden they heal, whoosh, they've gone to the next level. They've gone out of this place of healing and into the next level. It's like, like a snap. I think physically feel it. Oh yeah, there's different levels. And and depending on who you talk to, you know, first of all, in the Buddhist tradition, there's the bardos of life and death. You have the bardos and then you have different planes of existence And I just, you know, explain, you know, it can get really heady with people. So I try not to get, you know, woo woo. 
and I, I'll just go with what I get, which is a lot of times, you know, they're in a current of healing or, oh my God, I got, I get a lot of business as usual. This person was a business, but I get a lot of people who are hiding from me that don't, that are ashamed of what happened and they don't want to be seen. I get a lot of people that won't say a word and they'll say, yep, he wasn't a talker in this lifetime, you know? Um, I get some people who have completely um, transformed into a more enlightened version of themselves than they were here. Um, So it's all, you know, I could give you so many different um, views on this. I honestly think this could be controversial with other psychic mediums. I don't know. Really, I don't think yeah, I we think, love it. I love the controversy. I actually don't know if it's controversial. I don't know. I don't follow um, other psychic mediums, but um, and in fact, I've just started listening to some uh, online, so on podcasts um, where it's good to listen to because I'm like, oh, I get that all the time too. It's very, it's kind of nice to get validated, right? Yep. But. Um, Especially if it's something you think is obscure and then you hear somebody else mention it then you're like, oh, it's not so obscure. Yeah. But, um, you know, belief, belief has everything to do with the different levels of what happens on the other side, because if you're a Catholic, you're going to, you're going to be surefire thinking the way you think, right? Mm -hmm. The Jews don't believe in reincarnation. I'm Jewish. I totally believe in carnation, reincarnation, right? Um, you know, the Buddhists believe is in reincarnation. I think I just said that. Um, and they're, you know, in the Buddhist tradition, you know, with the Lama, they're already, you know, upon death, they already send, send out the devotees to go look for the reincarnated, you know, Lama, which is how they always find the Dalai Lama. So what, so when you say that it affects the afterlife, do you mean that sort of whatever that religion or that person's belief system? It's the person's belief is? system. And I believe, right, as just as, you know, somebody decides they want to be a brain surgeon and goes to college and becomes a brain surgeon, or somebody wants to be a housewife and have their own practices, like whatever your belief system about death is. This is why it's so important to study death and dying, Mm -hmm. especially in other cultures. We don't have anything in the West, right? It's really important to start preparing yourself for death, right? To find some sacred practices and principles to start, you know, training your body, mind, and spirit So when you're ready to transition, you're not, you know, you're not in a place of absolute fear and terror and, you know, it's, so it's not scary. Mm -hmm. You've already embodied enough practices and meditate, whatever it is that, you know, you're ready to go and you can surrender into that. So, okay. So for example, did I even answer your question? Well, so I'm just, I'll just give you an example. Okay. The Mormons believe that in the next life, you basically, there's this progression where you can become like a God or a goddess and 
you who I like that. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. It's not a it's not that that thought. And you could even progress to the point of like you create your own world. So you're like a god of your own world. Now I will also say this why can't you do that in this world though? That's the point to do yeah. it in this world. Be the god of your own world. So so you so are you saying you think that like okay that's a Mormon belief. So if you die with that belief, that's like what happens in the next life. If you are, you know, it's a, it's one thing. If you believe that Mm -hmm. it's another thing, if you're practicing to get to that vibrational frequency, right. And you know what, Uh, to a degree, I guess I do believe that if somebody believes that enough, right? Mm-hmm. And they're not doing anything in this lifetime that's actually, you know, they're not leading a devil life or they're not breaking the law or they're not, they don't have to like reconcile any imbalances that they've created. They could very well, you know, go on and be a saint. I thought that's interesting. So I just want to find the religion that has the most badass belief of the afterlife and go with that then. <laughs> well, I think, you know, Again, it comes down to what you think is badass, right? I I love the Hindu and the Buddhist. Mm -hmm. You know, it's all about reincarnation. You know, and in in India, you know, when somebody dies, they're immediately burning their body and they're praying and they're chanting and they're, you know, the, you know, they're, you know, chanting and praying and they're burning the bodies and they're letting the spirit go. And, you know, they're not putting it in a hole in the ground. Tearing up Mother Earth. Reincarnation freaks me out so much because it's like, I guess for me, I want to be with my kids and I want to be with my husband. And I like the idea that in the next life, we would all be together as we are. And then I'm like, well, if we're reincarnated, so am I not... Do I just leave those? Uh, well, it all depends. So from the yogic lineages, from a yogic perspective... You know, there's a lot of talk of you hear often, um, you know, you reincarnate with the people you were originally incarnated with. Mm-hmm. So you you keep doing this dance, right, where you keep until you have reached the highest form you can in a relationship with somebody, you're going to keep coming back together, and to have and, a different experience and then just forever, 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 or is well, there- forever, you know, it depends who you talk to, you know, yeah. one, the, one of the yoga lineages I was in said, you have like 604 million lifetimes and it takes 10,000 lifetimes just to get into a yoga class. You know, you might actually really I'm, like the Buddhist. I'm going to um, see if I can sign up for yoga, see if it's. <laughs> There's so many different lineages. There's so many different lineages and so many different teachings. And the more I got into numerology in the last 10 years, the more I got into the Kabbalah. You know, I loved it because I was born on Friday the 13th. What? No. And yeah, me and my mom both were. And so being born on Friday the 13th and Jewish, where I grew up, I was the devil times two. I was the devil incarnate. So I, you know, always thought I was cursed. Mm -hmm. I just assumed I was cursed. And when I finally started to kind of look into pagan religion and, you know, the Kabbalah 
and, you know, noticed what Friday the 13th really was, which was the pagan day that the woman was worshipped. Friday is the day of Venus. 13 is the number of love and the divine feminine. So these were all about, you know, rituals around honoring the goddess. Wow. Right. So when you have, you know, religion that comes in and flips them upside down to make them evil, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. Friday 13th is now about fear and death and terror and bad luck, mm-hmm. right? When it's simply the polar opposite, which is the divine feminine superpower runs the show. How do you keep the negative spirits away? How do you keep them out? They don't even come around anymore. I'm, and I'm not kidding. Mm-hmm. The last time I dealt with one, and I'm going to say this, my experiences has been when they come around, they come with another person. Mm-hmm. They don't just show up in my life. It's always attached to somebody else. And the last time I experienced it with somebody, it was a client actually, I, I was like, okay, not doing it. No, I think I mentioned this before. It's like, all right, no fly zone. I'm not taking sessions with this person anymore. Um, so I, the last, one of the last times I, when I would feel like I was, there was negative energy around or negative entities, I found myself doing an invocation. I literally was screaming out, whatever is not of 100% pure white divine light, leave my, leave my body, leave my place, leave my home. I don't remember what I, how I said it and never to return. No, nothing that is not 100% pure white divine light is allowed in my field, in my life, in my body, in my home, mm-hmm. in my work. So once I started really laying down that law. I mean, it's not like it shows up a lot, but the only time I really noticed I experienced it was when it, it was with attached to somebody else. Like even when I was mentioning my babysitter early on, she carried all that stuff with her. Mm -hmm. I mean, I had a funny, weird thing in my house, right. That was kind of wake me up in the middle of the night. And after I had that thing with her, and I told my parents never to have her babysit us again. I didn't tell her why, then why. I was like, oh, I ne- we never had that funky stuff in the house again. Wow. So she was bringing so, something. So she, something was on her and it probably came from that boyfriend who was like a, a crazy, terrorizing, alcoholic, you know, abuser guy. How does someone get rid of that? You know, like if there's something attached to them, is there a way to get rid of it? Yeah, absolutely. There's, there's quite a few different ways. I think honestly, the best way to do it is you got to write an invocation for yourself, like a decree, you know, like basically what I did is I just, you know, said that kind of invocation, like nothing that is not a hundred percent pure white divine light is allowed in my field. You can, you know, mother, father, God, creator of all that is, I command and demand you to release whatever negative energy is attached to me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's done. It's done. It's done. You could write your own thing. You can literally, you know, I breath work, I swear, purifies and cleanses everything. You can get in salt baths, you know, you, nothing is on you because you're cursed. I don't believe in that. I, there are curses, but 
you know, I don't think you're going to be coming across people who are decide to put a curse on you that have the ability to be put a curse on you, right? Usually that's in the backwoods, mm. you know, in countries, you know, or, you know, maybe- my dad, my dad had a curse put on him. Really? Well, he's a private investigator. So he's been to many countries all over the world. And one of the places he went to, he caught somebody's husband. The wife was very upset. And my dad's leg was just after that trip was just in pain. He couldn't get rid of the pain, couldn't get rid of the pain. And then months after just this like pain in his leg, just, just out of nowhere, this started happening. The, he found out that this guy's wife who was pissed had put a curse on his leg. And so it took like a lot of like prayer and trying to, yeah, it's a wild. That's a prayer. It's a, wow. That's first of all, that's fascinating. Your dad's a private investigator. He went to lots you know, that's of kind of how I started out in a weird way. I'm really into true crime and I love helping. I do, I do oftentimes help people try to get clarity on, on unsolved cases. And that's like my fave. In fact, I'm going to crime con this weekend. What you are it's like my guilt, it's crime con here in Vegas. I can't believe it. What? Wait, so you'll have investigators or or you'll have you'll have families come and be like, hey, can you help us? Like yeah, I have families come in are trying to get clear on a murder in their family, like an unsolved murder in their family. And generally these family members a lot of times know who did it, but the police have messed up the investigation or something happened, or I mean it's really amazing how. And so you help give them like that validation, Mm -hmm. validation, and oftentimes help, you know, get them to the right perpetrators. So you would like to do that on like a larger scale, maybe I would, I I actually would, because I listen to a lot of these, I've been listening to a lot of these podcasts now. And the, the most horrifying part of it is the families Mm -hmm. who get no closure And oftentimes get no closure because the local law enforcement just completely dropped the ball. Mm -hmm. And I mean, even saying that, you know, is, you know, yeah, I think most of our faith is a little shook when it comes to, you know, the judicial system. This is a deep one for you. Do you believe that there is a heaven and a hell? Oh, that's a really good question because I had those two death experiences and I, every now and then I'll think, I wonder if there is a hell or if that's just like a stopping point for you to make the decision. If you want to keep going down that, it's, um, I don't believe in hell. I think hell is, you know, what we're the hell part is is that we're taught to believe in a hell, mm. right? To scare you, yep, yep. To keep us scared and keep us small. I do believe, however, that if something is out of balance when you leave, because I really believe, you know, I simply just believe the purpose of life is for us to learn lessons. That was one of my questions for you. What you think the purpose of life is? <laughs> oh, well, they, oh, there you go. It's just to learn lessons. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, we could, I could sit here and be like, you know, oh, to serve others and, you know, but, you know, if I'm not learning lessons, I'm not helping anybody. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but I, I, you know, I feel that, you know, 
heaven and hell was about religion. It's about the crucifixion and the resurrection type of thing. And I'd rather be in the resurrection, meaning you can be a goddess in your next lifetime if you choose. Mm-hmm. Just start taking the actions to start setting yourself up to get there. Yeah. So I know where I want to end up and I'm doing what I can to create that level. You know, look at all the saints or or the ascended masters, right? So the ascendant, you know, the one we know the most is Jesus, Jesus the Christ, Buddha, right? Mm -hmm. Shiva in India. Um, you know, Archangel Michael, Saint Germain, all these ascended masters, right? They're all ascended masters or saints, the saints, you know, how do they get there, right? They raise their vibrations, right? They did the work that required them to be able to have that energy body, to have that physical, to have their soul body and their energy body go beyond I feel like I'm not explaining this right because I'm. I feel like I'm tired and I'm slurring my words. So forgive me. <gasps> I know it's been a long time. Thank you. Um, I, you know, you have an opportunity to go beyond the ego and set yourself up to continue to, you know, let people benefit from who you are. You know, you want to be a saint or an ascended master is you know, what's that saying? You know, the only difference between, you know, an enlightened master is us and us is an enlightened master didn't forget who they are. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, yeah. You know, but somebody like Jesus, you know, there's 30 years of him missing in the Bible. If he was even really in the Bible to begin with, but you know, there's a lot of, you know, apparently information that he spent third, a lot of time in India, which would make sense because India is all about samadhi, which is leaving the physical body, but maintaining that soul, maintaining your um, ability to assist others, you know, in the etheric body, right? You're a teacher, Brandy. You're a teacher. You really are. Well, I've taught yoga for a very long time, (laughs) but I feel like you like it beyond yoga. You're a teacher in so many other ways. Ah, thanks. Thank you. If there's no hell, do you think there's like checks and balances of some kind? I do. I absolutely do. You're a shitty person or people. And so, you know, we touched on this a little bit before, if somebody crossed over, um, what happens when they cross over and that's when the checks and balances come in. Oftentimes, you know, if somebody is out of balance in something, you know, I remember I did a the session um, a little bit ago and it, it kind of stuck with me because I could tell the woman was really not happy with the information I was giving her, giving her because she was wanting to get one specific answer to one question, right? Mm-hmm. And um, her husband, who is the one that crossed over, was telling me, um, you know, I did some um, not so cool things and I left a mess for her and it's going to take me some time to reconcile. He was telling me this. It's going to take me some time to reconcile this. So when I come back, I'm not going to do it again. 
Wow. And I'm telling you this because it just tells me he was in his checks and balances, period. Right. You understand what I'm saying? He was like learning during this period of time. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, and a lot of times I'll experience something new where I'm like, oh, that's really cool. Right. Yeah. Like, I haven't got that before. Um, I've had something like that before, but yeah. um, every now and then I'll get something and be like, wow, like, you know, you know, I get a lot of healing from the spirit world when the, when, you know, a spirit is, has the ability to like download a healing. I'm like, I'll ask the other person, can you feel that? Close your eyes. Can you feel it? And you can hear, feel the waves where somebody has the ability, because a lot of people think once a spirit crosses over, they have these magical qualities. They're all psychic. They can predict the future, right? They're fortune tellers. And that's just not how it is, right? If that was the case, we'd all be getting information from these people left and right. And we'd be winning the lotto or whatever. Yeah, that'd be great. So uh, heaven and hell, I think is a, I love how you say checks and balances because that's kind of like a real, real practical way of saying karma, Mm -hmm. right? It's just for every action, there's a reaction. And if the, you know, I do truly, like you asked him, you asked about reincarnation. What I do truly truly believe in my core that the soul is consistent. Now, whether it actually comes back in a physical human body, I can't hundred percent say that because depending on the, you know, the way of death, it could come back in an animal. It could come back as something else, but I, I don't know, but I do, I do feel confident in saying, I believe the soul is eternal. Yeah. Wow. Maybe not, maybe not a hundred percent eternal, but it does a dance for a really long time. That's pretty splendid. All right. I'm going to ask you one last closing question. And then I want you to plug all the things you're doing, your website, all that stuff. What do you want most out of life for yourself? Mm. Oh my God. This is always the question. I'm like, I should have said this. This is like one of those questions. You know what I actually hope to get out of life from here on out? I want to live a life of embodied bliss. I am working on the bliss factor, bliss. And through my embodied bliss others are going to benefit that's amazing that's just where i'm at today because that could be an ever-changing question but (laughs) you know coming out of being you know we didn't touch on this and that's okay but coming out of five years of being really 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 ill with lyme disease i want to eat life up and i want to share that with everybody i want everybody to know what it's like to truly be alive it is like the most magical thing on the planet the human body our brains our lungs i mean we're miracles and the body is in a constant state of regeneration all the time you know mm-hmm. it's the mo- most magnificent you know multifaceted, I don't know, it's cosmic, you know, show on the planet. Absolutely. Plug everything that you're doing, but where can people so find People can find me at um, brandyrosenberg.com. That's my website. 
Um, I'm in the process of creating two new websites, but these are old websites. So you just have to see how we kick it. That's old how you school. get a hold of her. Yeah. <laughs> so brandyrosenberg.com. My current yoga site is breathworkwithbrandy.com. And my Instagram, which is just a personal page, and I believe it's a private account, but feel free to connect with me is at brandyrosenberg.com. And it's brandy with a Y, Rosenberg with an E. Awesome. Yay. Thank you so much for coming on and staying up. Thank you so much for having me. I could talk to you for till like 2 a.m., but I won't do that. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. To be continued. Sweet dreams. Bye. Bye.